Welcome to the Talk of the T-Town podcast, where we discuss all things track cycling. Broadcasting from the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, I'm your host and executive director, Joan Hanscom. Welcome to this week's Talk of the T-Town podcast. I'm your host, Joan Hanscom, joined this week by the awesome Cami Cornelli, who thankfully I pronounced her name right this time, um, (laughs) who has had quite a 2021 season here at the track. And we're very excited to have her join us on the pod this week um, to talk about all sorts of things. So Cami, welcome to the pod. Thanks for taking time out of your busy Sunday to to chat with us. Thank you for asking me to be here. I think it's very cool. Super cool that you're here. Um, And as I teed up, you had quite a summer uh, on, on the track bike. So in real life, well, we'll call it real life versus bike life. Um, in real life, you're a school teacher. Yep. You're a mom. Um, and you are also now the owner of an age group best performance that was set in Aguas Calientes over the summer. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to go for a age group best performance. And, and yeah, it's a, that's a, oh, that's boy. a big intro, but like, yeah, yeah that, that's just one of the cool things you achieved this summer at the track. So let's, let's start with the big one. Okay. Um, it was pretty epic. Um, very exciting to go down and, and the track is amazing. Um, but it all started, I think it was 2018, uh, turtle and Gwen, um, they were local here and and had recently moved to Colorado, but, you know, they approached me after an event and said, you know, you need to go after that world, that world record or that best time. And you're the one to do it. And, you know, I I think most of my cycling, what is the record? So so it is now 11.435. Right on. (laughs) So by one tenth, basically almost, almost exactly the one tenth. Amazing. Um, but I, I think most of what I've done in cycling has always been kind of a push um, and on and not, I guess, self-doubt was part of it, but also, you know, not realizing full possibilities, you know, and and it was always kind of someone's idea. You should do this. You should do that. And uh, that's kind of how the world stage got started for me. My my road coach when I was doing road had said, you know, you really need to go to worlds and give this thing a try. And like, I have no business going to world championship. Are you kidding? And, and you know, he really kind of pushed and got me thinking about it. I'm like, all right. And, you know, it was more of a go see what happens. Go see what the competition is like. and you know, that first year, I think it was 2016. It must've been, um, I won a bronze medal in the scratch race. And, you know, it was a realization that this was a possibility. This is, this is something that, you know, I I could do. And, um, I think, you know, back to Mexico, it was after 2018 turtle and Gwen said, this is something you can do. Like you need to do this. And I kind of sloughed it off. I'm like, that's not for me. I have, that's so grand. It's beyond anything I could hope for. Um, and then 2019, you know, after the big crash at world championships in Manchester, they said, again, you know, you, you really should try for this. And I think, um, 
after the crash and and the circumstances around it, you know, there was a good bit of self-doubt again. You know, did I legitimately do this thing? Did I actually earn, you know, this world championship? And so so for our listeners, let's take a step back. There are so many threads already that I want yeah. to pull on for this <laughs> for this podcast because you've already teed up like 10 million interesting things to talk about. Go back to the crash. Um, for, for our listeners who may not know what happened to you, um, this is in Manchester, England at the, at the, um, master's world championships, Mm -hmm. which event were you in and what happened? So that world championships was epic. I wasn't going to go in 2019. I had resolved to not going. I had already asked for time off the prior years for world championships. Cause as a school teacher, October is not an ideal time, right? You know, the not year the just best started. To, uh... So I wasn't going to go. And I had a conversation with my coach, Brian Abers, and he's like at worlds this year, we have to. And Gwen actually had a picture of us talking about, you know, having this conversation. I'm like, coach, I'm, I wasn't planning on going, I've made no plans. And, um, he's like, you know, you could win you, you should really reconsider this. And, and of course, you know, someone else is urging, um, I went ahead and, you know, like, all right, this could happen. Let me, let me go for this. Let me take this risk. And, and so I went for the team sprint, the time trial, and then the sprint event. And I also did the scratch actually. Um, and the first world championship was epic, uh, winning the team sprint with Christine, my team sprint partner, we had ridden team sprint for what that would have been three years at that point and and national champ and each year, you know, working. And so that was epic. And it was great for both of us to have this moment together. The first world championship, we share that, um, and then it was yeah, the time cool. you just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. That is like the team component or the, or the working together component is such a, I don't know, people don't necessarily appreciate it about cycling and, and track cycling in particular, yeah. um, you know, like road cycling for sure. But I don't know that people always understand what a, the power of the, of the team aspect. Well, um, and specifically with Christine and myself, you know, it was in earnest, a, a selfish endeavor to really pull her back into racing. Um, I wanted, you know, someone closer to home in my age group that was also of a like mindset, really passionate about cycling and hungry for the racing. Um, and I hadn't found that with, within the track, you know, I was in Jersey and I was at casino quite a bit. And, and, um, when she did come back, we clicked and, and we, work together very well. We, That's awesome. we have that same kind of chemistry. So with the team sprint, you know, we did it that first year, I think at world championships, we ended up 11th place the following year. Um, oh, I don't remember now. Uh, then one year we ended up in bronze. I think it was the year prior in 2018 and then winning it in nice. 2019 and each year, like our times getting faster and, and uh, really kind of a magical thing to happen. That's you know? awesome. Um, and then in 2019, the time trial, I went for, um, what did I do? I 38-1, which was my best time ever. And I was very happy with that, um, but ended up in second place. Later learned that the person who had won 
was found positive for doping. And so that were that, you know, forced me to kind of question the legitimacy of my win. You know, was she really that strong? Was she not really that strong? Am I really that strong? Do I deserve this, this position? And then in the final sprint, it was against the same person. And of course, at that time, we didn't know that, you know, these were the circumstances. And so the sprint round was the very last, it was the third ride on the very last day of the very last event. Like it couldn't, (laughs) all I needed to do was finish, you know, and honestly, at that point, I had never earned a silver in the sprint tournament. And so I was really honored. I, you know, I remember the first ride going in already happy. I was like this, I've already bested what I did the year prior. I'm going faster. I was so happy. And after that first ride, I was like, oh, I'm kind of close. I'm close. I, I, I could do this thing. I shouldn't resolve to being okay with this. I can go after this. And I think I went in and I'm like, Abers, let's up a gear. We got to go up a gear. And then I took the second ride and oh my gosh, this is a possibility. I could actually win this. And in the third ride, uh, she ended up coming into the sprint lane and we were off the track. We were on the blue band, not, not even the blue band, like off the blue band. We were, you know, the officials had to back up. And, right. Um, our handlebars had hooked and oh, I'm God. freaking out. And I'm like, I, I'm trying to get control of my oh, bike. Oh my and, God, it sounds and so terrifying. We unhooked and she was able to swing up track, but, you know, doing about 30 miles an hour, oh, I, wow. you know, I'm like, okay, if I try to, on the flat section, if I try to turn at this speed, I'm going to wipe out. Right. So I tried to get on the track and go up track, but in the turn already, the lip of the track to the concrete stopped my wheel. And I just, it bucked me and I went flying into the track and then watching the video. I've watched that video so many times, just sliding from turn one to turn two. Oh man. (laughs) I I don't think I could watch. Like Um, if it was me, I I don't think I could watch it, but it, it, yeah, I guess you also kind of want to, you want to learn, you want to see, well, I do anyway, you know, what happened, what actually, you want to understand, could I have done something different, right. You know, and to affect a different outcome, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I had no idea my injuries at the time I was laying there in the video. I'm still pedaling laying on the ground. Wow. Um, but, uh, you know, medics came and pulled me over and took me to, you know, the little medic section. And I remember the promoter coming over and saying, look, you you won, we'll bring your Jersey to you. I said, excuse me. No, I didn't come all the way here to have my jersey on a gurney. I'm getting up there. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, I couldn't, it, you know, I couldn't breathe and I was in so much pain. And, you know, sometimes you have a pain and you go to move to make it feel there was nothing. I couldn't find reprieve, but I was going to be on the podium. Right. You right. know, I, like this, this happened. Um, so I did. I got up and, and, got the Jersey and it was this great thing. And I had sworn I was going to fly home the next day. And you had a collapsed lung. Yeah, I did. Punctured lung, collapsed and lung, yeah. a bruised heart and broken ribs. And oh man, what else? Lots of road rash kind of stuff, but they had me in the cardiac wing at the hospital for several days. And, uh, I just, I couldn't, 
and Pete Taylor was out there in London and Shelly said, go stay with Pete, go stay with Pete. Cause they wouldn't, because of the lung, they weren't yeah, going to let me go fly, home. Right? Yeah. You know, and at this point, you know, I haven't seen my son now in two weeks and I hadn't ever been away from him for that long. I, as a single mom, he was always with me. He has been coming to races with me since he was two. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, and track cycling really lends itself to being family friendly like that. And we had this community, you know, both here and at Casina where, you know, you go and you do your race for, you know, the five to eight minutes and, and everybody kind of looked after him on the infield and then, right. you know, and we would flip flop and, you know, it, it would, it was just a very welcoming kind of situation for where I was in life at that time. Right. 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 It, it afforded me an opportunity to do this thing for myself, but, but not, he was welcome. And yeah. But engaging. not neglect him. Right. He right. was part of it, which is super. And cool. as he got older, he was changing my gears for me. Oh, that's and... super cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah. So you were away from him for a while. Yeah. And, uh, he had to, I'd have to been scary for him a little bit, right? When, when mom coming home FaceTime was great. Yeah. Um, being positive and him being able from well, both of us being able to see each other. Um, and then, uh, I did go to London. I got out of the hospital, uh, near the end of that week, went down with Pete and saw some six day events. How many was, people has like, has Pete like rescued is amazing to me. Like, just like he's like i don't know the patron guardian angel saint of, of people who race bikes like he just seems to appear when people need help and how many times he's rescued me yeah alone. like yeah definitely he's always there and yeah, he's very he's passionate amazing. about the community and he's just and a good good soul really a gem yeah for sure and yeah, uh, i was joking with him the other evening that uh you know i crashed but then i also crashed boys weekend because you know, they were out there for their, their six days and here I come, right. you know, um, but I, I was there for that weekend and had to go back to Manchester then for follow-up appointments. And unbeknownst to me at the time, I thought I just had a muscle cramp. Um, it turns out I had this deep vein thrombosis. Oh my God. So I'm walking around London. I'm hobbling around thinking it's just the muscle. Cause I was like stationary for four days, which also never happens. And, uh, realize you know google doctor that oh my gosh 11 o'clock at night i've i've got to go back to the emergency room and i go in and sure enough they diagnose it and now they're really not letting me go home right right yeah you're not flying with a clot at all <laughs> you know i got wow. the lung thing i've got the blood clot you know they're like you're really lucky to be here <laughs> with where my numbers were i guess and, right but now i'm freaking out because I really don't have a legitimate way to get home. Right. And Christine, and I'm, I was also worried about the medical bills because yeah, of course. how am I going to do all of this? And Christine came in and started a GoFundMe and the GoFundMe covered all of those and the Peloton family. What a wonderful group of people. Um, they were able through those, the fundraising effort, they flew my son and Joe out oh, to me wow. in London. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Another um, friend of, of a teammate who's a travel agent. Wow. There was this cruise ship that was its inaugural yeah. sailing. Um, so it wasn't really publicized because they were only going with um, recurring customers right. uh, for the cruise line. And so they were able to get us 
um, a room on on the ship, you know, but now it's it's the third Saturday. Right. I've been gone for about three weeks. They come out to London and I'm just, you know, I told my kids when I come, came back, my, my students like, OK, this is the third weekend. I'm, I'm going on this cruise ship, the inaugural sailing from the same port as the Titanic, doing the oh, wow. same route, going yeah. to New York. I'm like, this is the weekend that does me in. And there was like some huge storm. And, oh, and man, it was it was epic. But um, to be able to go home and have uh, the cruise was 11 days and have that time with my son who n- wouldn't let me go. Uh, yeah, and Joe well, I'm sure it's very great. scary for him. Well, and yeah, because uh, you don't think about that, right? You go off to bike races and you assume it's going to be easy to go home. And I've had, I've had teammates in the past who've crashed and who've done similar things with the, with the punctured lung, collapsed mm-hmm. lung, and you know, they're, they're racing a national championships and how do I get home? Well, you know, here, at least you're racing domestically, you can always drive. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, if you're overseas and you can't drive, you know, it's how not do you get something back? you really think about. No, you don't think about you know? that. So that's, that's pretty amazing that you ended up on a cruise ship to come home. Yeah. It uh, wasn't a bad way to get back. <laughs> yeah. And it probably gave you the time, you know, if you'd flown back, you probably knowing you, you probably would have been right, right back in the classroom, back to work, you know, yeah, probably gave you the time that your body needed to heal a little bit to, you know, recover from all the injuries and the crashes, but holy moly, the recovery was long. I believe um, it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. And, and you're right. I would jump right back in and I was on a spin bike on the cruise ship, yeah. which was, you know, shame on me. We're, but we're not all wired like that. Yes. No, we are. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing. I, yes. When I had all my vascular surgery, like they let me out of the hospital, you know, you're in, you're in the same thing. You're in the cardiac ICU. right? Yeah. You're in, and then like, they say, okay, you can go home. And like, what do I do? Walk six miles the next day. Cause you're did you really, I did. Yeah. So I, I, no judgment on you being on the spinning bike on the cruise ship because I did this like, oh, hey, I've just had major vascular surgery. I'm going to go walk six miles. Is Yeah, I totally get it. There's <laughs> there's something about, you know, being able to ride. And and I think through my whole life, it the athletic pursuits have been the freedom. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I started off in gymnastics and it was just about flying. I loved hanging upside down and swinging from stuff, you know, and as I got older, gymnastics wasn't a feasible outlet anymore. And, and through high school and college, I was in diving and it was the same thing. It was about the flying. Right. But then again, that is also not sustainable as you get older. Yeah. And uh, I think I didn't start cycling until I was 27, 28. Yeah. A lot of us come to it later. Yeah. And uh, the, the speed the sprinting, the descents, it was flying again. Yeah. Right. And now I'm in this thing that is sustainable. Like I could do this for a long time. That's what I love about our sport. Right. Like I, so I did this big, huge ride yesterday. I rode with a friend of mine um, and she and I are similar age and we, we did 96 miles and 6,000 feet of elevation gain. We rode for donuts and it was fantastic. It was a beautiful fall <laughs> day. But at one point we passed a woman who was also out riding gorgeous day. And after we got by her, I, I looked at my friend Celine and I said, how old do you think she is? And Celine said, oh, she's got to be 70 at least. And I thought that's going to, I said to her out loud, I'm like, that's going to be us. We're going to be 70 and we're still going to be doing these, crushing these 96 mile rides. And she said, absolutely. And that's the coolest thing that you can, right? Like you, the bike is this magical thing that you can keep 
doing. And I mean, hell, Masters Nationals just a few weeks ago here, like we had people competing here in their 80s. And that was so incredible to see. Well, that and, and, you know, not just that you're able to do this for longevity, but that there's a community. Yes. That is welcoming you. And, and, you know, you talk about Masters Nats and, and I couldn't, it was like seeing family again, you know, here's this group of people that when we come together, there is just a connection. We all kind of get why we're there, why we're doing this. And we all have the same passion and the stories, you know, and and you know what's cool is you're not doing it for a pro contract and you're not doing it for the money. Um, you know, you're not doing it to go to the Olympics. You're not doing it for glory. You really are. Everybody that was there uh, was doing it, like you said, for the passion because yeah. they love doing the thing. And that's so cool, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know, that's a that's such a, an interesting and pure motivation, you know, that I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's amazing that people still have that in them. Um, and I think um, Ron Short took photos the week of Masters Nationals and you know, we have a lot of beautiful photographers in the track. We work mm-hmm. with some very talented photographers here. Yep. Um, but Ron's photos, I thought, captured something really incredibly raw and powerful about Masters Nationals, um, where Ron Ron focused on the faces. Um, and what you saw in everybody's faces was just joy. Well, but the competitive spirit, too. Yeah. Um, like the focus and... And, you know, we have photos again of 80 year olds who are getting on, you know, on the line, getting ready to race. And those faces were as committed and as serious um, Mm -hmm. as anybody lining up in Tokyo this summer. And I thought that was really powerful what he captured. Um, And I think, I think a lot of times people don't necessarily give masters athletes the credit for that, right? That you know, there's, there's all sorts of like, Oh, entitled master, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, I think, and and I think that, I I I think there's something really, there is that, there there is that component too, but there was something really beautiful that I think Ron captured in all of those photos that if you look for it, you'll see it. And it was really cool. Well, I think the other component that masters don't get credit for is that life component. Yeah. You know, if I, if I reflect when I was an athlete, you know, doing diving, I had school and I had my athletics and it was all about me. Right. You know, and now I have my work and I have all of my students that I'm concerned about and care for and my own son, you know, and then responsibilities (laughs) in life now that are different. And, you know, I think to be a master's athlete, what, what, those who aren't giving that master's athlete credit for is the fact that they are still pursuing this with the same intensity, if not more, because they are doing it in spite of all of these other things that they still have to manage in their life. Right. A hundred percent, you know, and, you know, I think again, you know, talking about master's nets, the joy of being able to share this energy and share this passion with like-minded folks the energy that was there this year was just really something special. Yeah, I thought so too. And I think maybe more, more poignant this year because we had a year off, yeah. right? Where I think the thing that, and, and I'm not a master's track athlete, right? I'm a master's road athlete. I have road friends all over the country. I'm sure I would feel the same if I were to see them at road Nats. But as a, an observer, um, 
this year, really, you know, at, at Masters Track Nationals, you got the feeling that it was like a family reunion. Yeah. Um, and just like people who are so excited to see their, you know, friends and family after a very weird year of COVID, I got the feeling this year that it was a reunion of people who really missed seeing each other uh, and that it was, yeah, it was, it, it had a very sort of celebratory vibe to it with folks who didn't see each other for two years, you know? And, and so it was very really, much so. it was really cool to see that here um, and to feel it and to be a part of it and, and maybe to help have facilitated it. It was, it felt very, nice here during masters nats which i i I know that's like a weird word but like for for a national championship competition to say it was nice but it was like nice it was just like oh okay there's a real good vibe happening here yeah and and, yeah it's super cool i think it's it's a little different because we had elites here as well and there was definitely more of a low-key vibe at, at elites i think than i have seen or experienced in years prior um and, and, you know, perhaps because Tokyo was, yeah, think, you know, I think so. Um, but, you know, usually elites is very intense, you know, definitely there's, there's this focus and masters is a little bit more lighthearted, I suppose, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, it was, it was very interesting to run both of those events here this summer. Um, the staff probably would like to murder me for for agreeing to host all of them here this summer what Uh, a treat though i can't i'm (laughs) i am so thankful and appreciative that you know we have this space here uh this is my second home i i am out here all summer um but to have both elites and masters nationals take place here is really quite a treat it was uh it was something (laughs) I, I will not go so far as to say it was a treat for us. It yeah. was definitely stressful. Was, uh, for was us, it back to it was almost back to back. It was it was six weeks notice for elites, and then it was elites straight into UCI into the UCI, and then and then you had what a week or something before. Yeah, well, then we ran the last couple of weeks of normal Fridays, and then it was right into masters. It was definitely it was a full summer. It was definitely not without stress for us. Yeah. So, it, and it's funny, I'm, I'm working on the recap document that we always do for our sponsors at the end of the year. And, and, uh, I'd written it all. And then I had a conversation and I, and I said, you know, I've really struggled with writing this document this year about the season because it really is a tale of two seasons. And then as soon as I said that out loud, I was like, oh, I know how to rewrite it. And so I've gone into the process now of rewriting it. And I really did tell it in the, it's a tale of two seasons, because, you know, if you think back to April, we didn't know if we were going to be allowed to have our programming. Um, And then in, in May, we were starting with TTs and sprint tournaments because of, you know, the restrictions in place and the mitigation guidelines. And then by June, we had people racing outdoors and mass start events and masks, you know, and it was this just very bizarre, you know, last unfolding of, of it. All. It was. And then you there, couldn't there was, really plan. It no, just, we couldn't really plan unfolded into your lap. And you just were sort of dependent on we'd hear through the rumor mill, the governor's going to do this. So we think we're going to be able to do that. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're, you're like, you're a week out from, from hosting elite national championships or two weeks out. And you're hoping that the outdoor mask mandate is going to get lifted yeah. so that, you know, we'll be able to race without masks on. And it was such a bizarre season in that regard. And yet 
we had elite junior para and masters nationals three weeks of uci racing where everybody got their points and well you know, and it was so bizarre to go from this are we going to be able to race without masks to to essentially full gas with the flip of a switch and it yeah was, it was a and then it was seasons. all in and yeah it was it was very weird for us well but i'm glad it was good for you guys with the programming opportunities that happen here um i started with air products way oh, back in awesome. the day um way back i was i was out this way for a period of time and my friend took me to the track to see friday night racing and you know i was oh you'll, you'd really like this and so all right air products let's try it and then i ended up going back to the city and and couldn't get out here as often as i liked um but air products is still you know, supporting these, still supporting, these programs. Still running. Yep. And so that's what I signed Christian up for in June. Which is so cool, by the way, yeah. to see you like nervous mama out there <laughs> when he was up on the tracks <laughs> racing on Saturdays. It was like a very different cami. Right. Well, he's he's doesn't want to be a cyclist. No, I don't like it. I don't like it. But he will go ride and he is very good at bike handling. He doesn't get that yet, but I see him and he can maneuver and he's got clipless pedals and he's in and out and, and, you know, so air products program, he's doing the straps. And then when the program finished and I'm like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do the TT weekend, which is so great to have those. Yeah. I think so um, too. You know, again, you know, this, this opportunity where we're able to do these things, you know, in spite of, you know, situation or circumstances. Um, and you know, I said, I'm going to sign you up and this is what you're going to do. And he did the time trial. He did a 500 and he did the 200. And I got a bike from my friend, Jim Lyman, his daughter's bike. And he, we put his clipless pedals on. He's like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah, I bet. Right. And how proud he was to was, be able so to do this cool. thing. And it was so cool. The other day, you know, Christian, what was your fastest speed? 33.6 miles an hour. You know, so cool. with pride, right? With pride, which but is it's super cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, yeah. and uh, and I'm not I'm not pushing him. You know, my passion yeah. doesn't have to be his passion, but for him to experience it and share this thing in some yeah. fashion, you know, yeah. beyond just hanging out in the infield, yeah, no, was that really cool it, for it me was this summer. It was super cool to see too. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it was super cool to see. So, I want to go back to um the age group best performance mm. um you mentioned being coached by brian abers yep um you were not the only person who went down on that trip to set records uh so tell us a little bit about the company you were with uh when you went down who well else? you know back to how that all got started with gwen and turtle um you know they they pushed it again in 2019 and the, the recovery again was kind of long and when Worlds was canceled in 2020, right. you know, a lot of folks just, well, now there's nothing to train for, you know, I'm going to take a break and we'll try this again next year. And I just said, you never know unless you try, right? right. And and part of my whole cycling thing is, is you know, you got to have hope, hope for something, Right. There has to be a carrot out there. But be willing to take the risk. Yeah. And so they kind of plugged this hope into me. And I felt like this 
this is what I needed. This is where I needed to focus my energies. I feel good. I feel like I've recovered. I'm not in pain anymore. And uh, reached out to Abers and said, Abers, what do you think if this is what we did? If, if this is our focus and he was gung ho, all of these people who really believed I could do this thing, yeah, <laughs> like, that's you awesome. guys, you know, that's really fast, <laughs> but we dove in and, um, the trip was organized. Rob Van Howling, um, would do this trip annually. And Gwen had been on the trip before. So Gwen also went down and Gwen Afton, mm-hmm. and it was the trip with Ashton Lambie, uh, there were several other people from Colorado, California. So it was more of the, like a West Coast um, kind of thing. And Ashton then, went a little fast that, that weekend too. Yeah. Oh, it was so great to <laughs> witness yeah. like that whole process. You know, I mean, definitely at a different level. Um, there was, there was. A, it had to be so cool to see that. He did I mean, a, a run the first day and didn't. It didn't happen. He was, he was what second and a half, two seconds off. And, uh, he had posted and talked about it. He felt demolished, you know, really, yeah, you know, worried about whether this was something. So I was like, Oh, this isn't, it's not just me. Right. I don't feel this pressure and worry about not hitting this target, <laughs> you know? So it was kind of refreshing to hear this incredible athlete, also go through these same psychological processes and doubts, Yeah, you know, even though they're incredibly strong and talented and uh, Christina Birch was there and she kind of helped him through, you know, that psychology and redirecting the focus and, and Abers was there with Gwen and myself and did the same kind of thing really helped. It's, he is such an incredible force in what I have been able to do, you know, and, and I can't say enough about how important the right coach is and, and absolutely. And, you know, and even Ashton would talk about how Christina was so pivotal in helping him work through, you know, what happened that first day and come back and like, make it happen the next day. Yeah. It's super interesting. Cause you know, we always say, you know, it takes a, it takes a village, right? The whole, the whole thing is like, who do you have in your village? So Brian obviously is in your village. Do you work with sports psychology? Do you do any of that? Do you work with nutritionists? Do you do any of that stuff or is it all with Brian? So my path has been very gradual (laughs) from road cycling, uh, took me a little bit to transition to the track and then, uh, picked up with Brian and each year I'm kind of tapping into, what's the next thing I could do? What's where's what's the next the place next? to optimize? Yeah. So the, the sports psychology realm, I think has become evident that that's something that I should probably, you know, tap into, um, moving forward. There's, I worked with Kristen Kime, highly recommend, right? So just yeah. tossing that out there. Highly recommend. I did listen to the podcast and yeah. she's, she's terrific. Um, um just, just tossing that out there. There's, there's something about the pressure, you know, in, in doing well, you know, when you do well, like what happens if you don't do well? Right. So there's, there's that immense pressure and definitely there's something to be said about how you handle those pressures and what you're, what, what you open up as far as your possibilities are, right. You know, and being able to manage those stresses. 
Um, but likewise, you know, a nutritional component, I've never done supplementation or anything outside of ice cream and Oreos. <laughs> you know, let's go. It's, ice I just, cream is very high performance. Let me tell you. It is. It's important for recovery. Uh, ice cream is um, high performance food as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but this year, my focus will be to really tap into that nutritional component a yeah. little bit more precisely and, and gear that towards what I do. Um, but definitely the, the coaching and the people in your corner are so important in and what like, you're able to do. Well, just even having your son in your corner, right? Like you said earlier, changing your gears for you, like, it, you know, it just, all of that matters yep. um, that, that everybody's, everybody in the village is happy and, and, you know, committed to the goal. It's super cool yeah. when, when you have the right team around you. Um, you mentioned, and this is one of the other threads I wanted to pull on in this conversation. Um, you kept, you've re referenced over and over again, turtle and Gwen. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell us for our listeners who don't know what a turtle is or who a turtle is. Turtle. Um, yeah, please, please, please talk Theodore about that. Wilson. He, he was, um, sadly passed away in a mountain bike accident. Um, but he was a force to be reckoned with. And when Turtle said, this is what you need to do, you couldn't deny it. He was able to pull out dreams and possibilities in people that they didn't recognize and see in themselves. And then not only that, he'd make it happen, you know, with uh, their team pursuit. This is what you guys are going to do. You need to do this. And the fundraising efforts and the marketing and the sponsorship. And he was all in. He made dreams come true. He made the dreams and he made them come true. I think that was so um, evident at Masters, actually, when you saw the community of his friends uh, sort of reunited here and mm -hmm. um, what it meant for them to go by his meter on the track, which I, I, I don't know, like he, you maybe don't think about it. Oh yeah. We'd like to put a meter down for turtle. And then when we saw people taking pictures of it and being photographed with it, it was, uh, yeah, we're both getting all like misty eyed. Um, that because was powerful. Like it spoke to what he, he meant was, to people. He was a force for so many. Yeah. That was clear. That you was know? super clear. And, it, and it, he brought Masters. people together, you know, and I when think he's still bringing, the same. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's still bringing people together. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm now making us both no. cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they were definitely the impetus for going down to Mexico and doing this thing. And then, you know, my apprehensions and doubts, uh, I didn't talk about it, you know, except for like a kind of a small circle of, of people and sort of put feelers out that this was an idea and oh, I'm training for this and let's see what happens. Right. And they're like, yes, you know, a lot of folks gung ho and even going down there, you know, I wasn't sure. And, and, um, Abers really helped kind of zero narrow in the, uh, the focus and put me in the right mindset. And, and you did the thing made it happen. Yeah. It yeah. was very, very, very cool. Going that fast is, I can't imagine <laughs> kind of an, so that back to the idea about flying, yeah. you know, it was, I was flying, flying and that feeling and, and something about the track is just this safe place to be able to do it. 
You know, you can't, I, I, I don't know that I felt that anywhere else, you know, just that's cool. Go all out. That's so, so cool. It was a really unique opportunity. So, you know, again, Rob Van Howleen kind of organized it, but he was not able to travel this year. And so Bob, Bob Ice um, yep. from our community here was able to put it into action and, and take us all over and make it happen. So that again, that, cool. that community, it was a definitely a community effort for this thing to go down. Right. So. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it is quite an achievement. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that everybody appreciates like it's quite an achievement, um, but that wasn't your only achievement this summer, right? You had a pretty good summer here. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Like how you carried one into the next? And... I don't know. That's a question for Brian. Uh, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I don't know I'm, how he made it happen. You know, that's actually a great thing. We should have Brian on the pod Yeah, uh, because he definitely, uh, he had you tuned up, man. You were, you, there's, you know, going back to coaching, um, you find somebody that works for you, you know, right. and, and, and it's partly personality, partly understanding goals, um, right. you know, and a major part of it too, I think is being able to design programming that gets you to that place. Right. Right. And, uh, each year it's been a little different with goals and the focus. And, you know, I've seen, my training is never the same. He really, you know, creates this thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, so about coaching, you're all in, you have to be all in, you have to trust that person, right. To be your teammate essentially on, on this independent goal. And I just, whatever he dished out, that's what I did. Yeah. And, uh, right. so we started off with elites and, you know, wasn't sure what was going to happen at elites went in with the big girls, you know, right. they're all like half my age, but here we go. Let's throw down, you know, and my hopes were to finish kind of mid pack. And, and I, I did that. Yeah. And, you know, I set a personal best here in the 500 went faster than I had before. And, and then in the match sprints, you know, was really happy with where I finished in the team sprint. You yeah, know, you did well had a lot of fun and did real well. kind of surprised myself because it wasn't, it wasn't something that we were looking to do, but when it got switched to being right. at T-Town, well, right. why would we why not? Would you not? Right. 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 And, and then, uh, you know, we, we did well and hung on to training to the world attempt, which was four weeks after that and went down to Mexico and, that was the main focus and we came out successful and now it was holding on a little bit longer to go to master's now. <laughs> and there's a real art to that, right? There is a real art to that peaking and maintaining yeah. and peaking again and maintaining and, uh, and, you know, not, there was a moment where I think before master's Nats, I said, Oh my goodness this is the least work I've done in a long time because the work had to have been, and the spring, the spring and work was intense. I was yeah. exhausted and I was kind of every week, my training would come in. I'm like, it's not a rest week, <laughs> you know? And, right. Um, 
but uh, it paid off, you know, and, and so Masters Nats was kind of icing on the cake. I wasn't actually going to end up going because the scheduling, it was the first week of school right, for me. Right, right. Like, not, well, not ideal, not perfect. You know, it's not going to work out. And then the actual daily schedule came out. I'm like, oh, the event is on my day off. I could do it. Nice. And so came out and had a successful Masters Nats. Yeah, you did. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. Did. So now I hope you're resting. You're little getting a little break now. Is that the a little a little until tomorrow? A little unstructured <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. And yeah, then you hit it back. I'll start back in tomorrow. So right I took on. I took two weeks. Yeah, um, you need that. Yeah, it's but. funny. I I did the same actually after um, Masters Nats. Mm -hmm. Like that was like, I was exhausted. It was, I was ruined. Like, yeah. I, it took me a full week to even be able to think oh, straight you were doing like three months. Just, yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts. all lined up. And, uh, and so just like the athletes who raced all of those events, like I needed to, you know, there was definitely recovery time for me too. So yeah I, yeah, I did the same thing you did. Um, but not for the same reasons. All right. I did the unstructured training for a few weeks. Cause I just had to stop being so tired. Um, and so now just like you back at it. Right. So what does next season hold for you? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. The goal, the goals <laughs> have not been decided yet. No, I started kind of mulling over some ideas, but I, I, and that's the challenge too. You know, how do you, keep progressing? How do you right. keep it interesting? How do you challenge yourself in right. a different way? Or, right. You know, uh, and I keep telling neighbors, like, why do you keep making me faster? You know, when am I going to retire? He's like, you'll never retire. Never retire. <laughs> going back to our earlier conversation about the 80 year olds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never retire. I don't know. I think that's, there's something very cool about that and that you, um, it does sort of feel like the fountain of youth, right? The staying in the game keeps you mentally young and it keeps you and the fact that you can mix it up you know? right you exactly can... i think it i think it's uh i think that it's uh nicer on the track in many ways mm -hmm. right it's it's the the potential there is is a little bit more on the track than on the road um where you know here if you're if you're on the road you're racing against 24 year old cat ones and you're not right? the only opportunity for master's events infrequent regionally you know and then yeah nationals right, right. otherwise you're otherwise you're racing against 24 year old actually cat ones. that is part of why i ended up transitioning because my road my road coach i did road for probably 15 years and then after Christian, I, I was pack fodder. I didn't have the time to train. Well, and even when you do have time to train, I, I mean, you know, I made time to train, right. Um, it's still at some point the men have it right. The men have 35 plus 45 plus 55 plus at any crate you go to. Yeah. The women do not have that. And so how do you make that shift where you say, I am used to racing at the front and now my goal is to finish top 10 in the money, in the field, right. not dropped and lapped. Like your, your goals have to change mm -hmm. on the road. And I think that the track is nice in that it provides uh, more options, let's say, um, than, than, the, than the road does currently. Um, I also feel safe on the track. 
Yeah. I know that I don't understand, but (laughs) nobody does. Nobody like, but there's no breaks. I'm like, but there are, you you know why, you know why I say that? Because I sit in the infield and I'm the one that when people crash, I'm the one running with 911 and the medical staff. And so for me, from where I sit, we have a very different, you bear that burden. We have very different eyeballs on the event than, than, um, than you guys do. And I think, you know, for us, Every time I watch a cure and I'm like, oh God, oh God. And then uh, it's so fast and they're so close. And and for you guys, I think you see everything so clearly when you're on the track and it isn't the chaos that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just see it in the terms of sprinting with the with the medical staff. You know, yeah, and, yep. and and so it's different for me. I, I sprint differently than you guys do at, at bike races. And so uh, <laughs> so I, I see it very differently, which is but I see road racing through the eyes of somebody who races on the road. So I, I, you know, it's like all perspective, it's framing. Yeah. And so for me, I, I, but still I, on the road, you know, there isn't, there isn't that outlet for women. No, you know? there's, there's definitely not. And it's, it's a challenge, like, mm-hmm. you know, as a person of my age, like I still love doing the thing and how do I reconcile what I used to be able to do with what I'm able to do now with who I'm competing against. And, you know, having that conversation with my coach that says, look, this is where I need to be because essentially, you know, he has said to me, well, you, you know, you're very competitive against your peers. And I said, I never race against my peers. Yeah. I said, technically I race against cat ones and twos. Half, your age. half my age all the time. Yeah. So my peer group that I have to be able to race with isn't my peer group. Well, this is one thing that and it's, and it's, we're it's, working on is, right. you know, developing greater depth in women's cycling yeah. and retaining these cyclists too. Which has been super cool here, right? The Women's yeah. Wednesdays program. I think this summer, man, did we start to see the women thrive here. It that You could feel it. Yep. Um, that the women's community here was thriving, that uh, that there was so, so much support for it from the, from the top, like from the top female athletes here all the way through the Saturday athletes. And in the Wednesday night programming, it just, you could feel it that something is building there. And it's so cool to feel that happening. And we're so Um, lucky that we're able to do that, you know? Yeah. We're, we're, we're lucky to have a leader like Kim Geist, who's Mm. like, you know, just been so, uh, Hey Kim, I think I want to do this crazy program here. Would you coach it? Yeah. Okay. You, You know, to have somebody like that throw her credibility behind sort of my stupid idea um, is amazing. And I'm eternally grateful for Kim Geist for that. And for Kim Zubers, who's come out, like helped her all right. like, you know, it's just, and then to see the experienced athletes like yourself helping the new athletes, um, you know, as we bring them into racing from these programs, the community has been so nice and so welcoming. And uh, it was always for me when I started, you know, I remember showing up probably my first Saturday with one chain ring and a bike I did, you know, probably didn't fit and, and not just welcoming, but, you know, Michelle Lee and and Cheryl Osborne here, you need to do this, do this, do this. Right. So very teacher. Right. Right. And everybody in the community was very, very much like that. So willing to offer to help. And so I guess, and paying it back. Right. Right. You know, that's how we, we do we it. Try we to, it forward. If I see somebody coming to the track and here, 
use my stuff, use my stuff, try this, try this, you know? Um, because what I've learned with cycling and, and very much so with track cycling, it is a process. You, I don't know anyone who has just jumped on a track bike and magically successful right away. You know, there's, there's the fitness, there's the strength, there's the technicalities of the bike and figuring out gearing and learning your own capabilities and then learning what you need to do to set yourself up based on everybody else's capabilities. It's, it's this incredibly, you know, it's a chess match that's super strategic and complex. And it has all of these pieces that it's not easy to get all of those pieces right in that first year yeah, or the second sure. year. Well, I mean, <laughs> just to even understand the disciplines that you're racing because mm-hmm. every event is different, right? And every event has different tactics. And, you know, you think about it, Oh, well, road has that. You have crits and road races and time trials. It's not the same it's as not understanding. The same complexity. It's not the same complexity. The, the complexity of track cycling is mind boggling. Yeah. Um, but that's part of what I love about it. Yeah. You know, so whenever I see someone new come to the track, you know, I try to reiterate that, you know, you need to try all of these different things and you can't, if it doesn't work, you can't let it go. You just got to try something just else. Try something else. And right. just keep playing the game you know, keep playing the chess match and eventually you'll figure out your strategy. What works for you. you, Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. It's super cool. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear what you have, what you have coming up next. Like when you land on your thing, I'm sure it'll be another big thing. It'll be another, we'll see (laughs) an interesting thing. No, with, with no doubt. It's been a very lucky journey so far. Wow. We were blessed. We'll be cheering for you with the next one as well. Um, Thank you. It has been terrific talking with you. Thank you for making time with us on this Sunday afternoon. Um, Thank you for sharing with our listeners your your story of the last few seasons because it's been a good one from uh from it's been all, a good ride yeah yeah from all sorts of adversity to to some incredible triumph this summer so congratulations again and and thank you and for our listeners this has been the talk of the t-town podcast you can read um all about cami uh in our show notes when we have those up and running we'll put photos and uh and links to her good times and uh and all that good stuff and if you enjoyed what you heard today please um um, leave us a positive review, uh, all the hearts, all the stars, anything, uh, anything positive helps us find more listeners and helps the podcast grow. Um, so that's it for this week's Talk of the T-Town podcast. Thank you for listening. This has been the Talk of the T-Town podcast. I'm your host, Joan Hanscom. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode head over to our website at thevelodrome.com where you can check out the show notes and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.